finally decided to join us. Thank you for entering the studio, Mr. Southwell. Uh, I believe you probably have some text messages yeah, that we could look at. I do, if I get my microphone on. There we go. We've got a few text messages we can look at here. Let me see here. Nikola Tesla in the 1800s had invented a power source that he wanted to give the world for basically for free. Uh, was brought out by Rothschild and shelved invention. I wonder how many inventions to help humanity have ended up the same way. I would say an enormous amount. <laughs> so many. So many, and probably a whole bunch of them that has have Tesla's name on it. But anyway, mm. um, who would know? There would be no way of actually knowing because, yeah, this stuff has been buried very, very deep. Uh, okay, I was listening to American program last week that mentioned... One of the reasons America has not been fully taken over by globalism is because the amount of weapons that the population has. The more people die by weapons, the more reason the government has to make them illegal. That is why they have defunded the police so that this will increase, so that this will increase, add to that COVID, and you have a near-perfect recipe for chaos, mm. which is exactly what you find in the $1 bills. Out of chaos, the new world order will arise it's a political plan that is working very well. The proof is in the pudding. You know, this is an interesting one. I'm just going to say this, that any politician who tries to bring about serious gun reform in the United States is going to set off a powder keg that will bring civil war, mm. which is why no politician will ever touch that one in any serious way. Do you really think okay, civil war between who? Like actual like politicians and and you know, because when we talk about civil war Like the, that fusion, you will find out. But or is it just like a bunch of people with guns being mad? Like is it just like, you know, civil war at the local Walmart between pro and anti gun reform people? No, it'd be civil war at a higher level than that. Uh but it'd be civil war nonetheless. Mm. Just you know, having lived there, having spent time there, America is an interesting country and that's what you would get. <laughs> and I think that I think that universally politicians recognise that because this is why you've got you know, you've 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 had politicians that have had very, very strong views about gun reform in that country and have done nothing of any significance. Mm. You know, they'll 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 do stuff to get themselves a few votes in here, but they won't actually tackle any of the yeah. Uh, issues of significance, yeah. and so, and because they know, yeah, they won't do like a federal buyback and no, and get never. rid of like they'll get get Not rid of assault years. rifles or whatever. Not like, in yeah. a million years. Mm. Um, and then, of course, we had uh, Darren text through to say that we had um, just amazing music, <laughs> and Vincent says, "Too right, nice music, not bad convo though either, fellas." Oh. Praise the Lord. We've got a little bit of a vote there as well. <laughs> okay, let me see here. Braden's texted through. That's what Braden's got to say. God created us for a relationship and coming from a family that has been blessed not to have to deal with separation. Mm. That's a rarity these days. It is something that I, uh, that I understand. <clears throat> My wife is from a separated home and I can see the effects it has had on her. She has been forced to grow up much faster than a normal child would have to and fully agree that if a single parent wants to remarry, there needs to be consideration for the kids. This ties into the increase in violence. Children need both a male and female role model. Uh, removing either one leads to deficiencies. Tie that into a global push for life without God and has led to, a, to broken children with no hope for the future, leading into broken adults doing whatever feels good for them. Very interesting text message there from uh, Braden. And by the way, that discussion that we had this morning, we're going to do part two. 
Uh, we were chatting with David after the interview. We're going to do part two next mm. week. And look at all of the advantage. We looked at the disadvantages and the challenges that there is with uh, step parenting, but we're mm. going to look at some of the advantages next week and some of the blessings that we can receive. Mm. So uh, that's what's coming up next week. All right, where are we up to? We probably should go to our Bible study. Have we got a Bible study coming up here, Lawson? Uh, well, we should do. We should I, hope, do. I hope so. Hope so. I hope so. Well, we did. We did a Bible study yesterday. Yeah. Don't forget um, to send in questions for David as well. So if you know this is, step parenting is one of those things that I think affects just about everyone these days in some way or other. Mm. Uh, so. Come up with a list of questions, send them through. We will put them to David, particularly if you are a step-parent or if you are a child or a teenager in a home that has step-parents. We would love to hear from you and love to hear what your questions are on this important subject. We might be able to, we might even spin it out mm. over. Well, we're going to, we'll spend as much time on it as we need to. It's a big one. We've opened a can of worms Yeah, that's here. right. All right. Where are we up to? Bible study. So basically we finished chapter one yesterday. You finished chapter one. That's right. We kind of finished off with, you know, the great fish swallows Jonah, the single most reluctant. So we're talking about his success and just absolute reluctance and how God, you know, worked in that space, um, you know, yes. and ultimately how he's trying to to run away. The sea's raging, he, yet he's a witness. Really strange situation. But ultimately he ends up in the belly of the fish. He goes down, 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 but he can't get so he can't get down far enough to get away from God. Yeah, that's right. Then that's kind of how we closed off our study. We, we did that in question of the day. It's like, how far can we run from God? And it's like, well, Jonah tried to run pretty far. He went to, the Bible says, the foundations of the mountains. Maybe we'll read about that today. Because mm. he writes a bit of a poem, doesn't he? Yeah, that's right. He's an interesting guy. He has this bizarre experience mm. where he is you know, sent to the ancient uh, version of Kabul to be a missionary, mm. decides that, no, he won't go to Kabul. He will go to Florida <laughs> instead, uh, ends up. In a massive storm, thrown overboard, swallowed by a whale, vomited up on a beach, decides to go to Kabul as a missionary, goes there, the whole city is converted, then gets angry about it. And then after he gets it all sorted out, he goes home and writes a poem about it so we can read it today. Yeah. Hey, interestingly, so we were talking, and of course you're using the word Kabul as like a, a metaphor to... For Nineveh. For Nineveh. Because, like, Nineveh is such a gnarly place and, and the Assyrians are so terrible and the way that they treat people. We mentioned that yesterday and uh, one of the highlights of the study was Blake um, giving some very uh, graphic descriptions of things Ninevites would do, like catch babies on sphere, spears and all that. And uh, a few people texted in and they were a little bit like, hey, man, I was eating bread. <laughs> 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 so, so that was that was interesting. But, yeah, just highlighting. And those same people are probably still eating breakfast this morning. <laughs> That's Lawson. right. So, hey, I'm not, we're not doing any graphic descriptions. We're just, we're just keeping it brief. Okay. Let's read this poem. Let's uh, give us, say, the first four verses there of chapter two. In chapter 2, the Bible says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my trouble, and he answered, I I called to you from the land of the dead, and the Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waters. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. Okay, so this is a pretty freaky experience. Mm. 
In fact, I can't imagine anything more freaky than being swallowed by a whale. Yeah. Uh, the Bible says that from inside the whale, he prays. Mm. I don't know that I'd even have enough presence of mind to be able to do that. Mm. I think my would be so freaked out at that particular point, my mind would just turn to mush. I guess none of us know how we will act or how we will respond in that kind of an extremity. But this one certainly takes the cake. Yeah, wow. It is definitely off the charts and beyond even imagination. And you would certainly never expect to find any kind of rescue if you were swallowed by a whale. Mm. You would just assume that's it. How long is this going to take and how awful a death is this going to be? Mm. How awful a death is it possible to be? Mm. And when it comes to awful deaths, yeah, I think that you'd be really struggling to find anything worse than being swallowed by a whale and being digested. <laughs> yeah, like he's in the stomach. Because there was that one guy who got swallowed by a whale, right? But he was just kind of in its mouth and then... No, he it. actually went down to the stomach. Oh, he, yeah, did, he did too. He did too, yeah. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. But, of course, it was only in there for a relatively short space of time. Yeah, it's three days and three yeah. nights. Oh, you know, is there any candlelight in there, can he? Nope. <laughs> He's just sitting there in the dark. The world's first submariner. Wow. <laughs> hey, that's a good Let's point. Let's read a couple more verses there. Let's see where this, uh, where this story goes. It continues on in verse 5. I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth. Those gates locked shut forever. But you, O oh Lord, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their back on all God's mercies, but I will offer sacrifices to you with song with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Okay, let's, let's stop there and consider this for a moment. So this guy's got quite the story, quite the testimony, doesn't he? Yeah. You know, the Bible says he went down, went down to the foundation of the mountains. Mm. And you kind of wonder how deep did he go? You know, if he was swallowed by a sperm whale, he could have gone down a very, yeah. very long way. Mm. And a sperm whale would be one of those whales that would be, uh, you know, one of those few whales that actually could swallow a human being. Yeah, big enough to accommodate someone living yes. in the stomach. Yeah. Yes, that would actually be possible. And they're one of the deepest divers there is. And, of course, we have no idea. And he has no idea either because... He's inside. He's inside. Yeah. I wonder how I wonder how pressure works inside the stomach of a fish. Wouldn't I would, I think it'd be like pressurized, right? So they can continue. I mean, if you're going to dive as deep as a sperm whale goes, you've got to you've got to have like 6-inch steel. Yeah. Or maybe 12-inch steel. Yeah. I don't know. In your submarine. You probably got to imagine as well that this is there was a supernatural act going on here too. Like it was God that oh, said indeed, the way. Indeed. Like, yeah. I'm just, I'm just, that, that is, that's a really just interesting a biological thought. question that has just come into my mind right now. How does pressure work inside of a <laughs> fish's stomach, you know, at great depth? Well, because that's the thing, like with our lungs and our stomach and everything, it's like they have relatively like pressurized. They hold shape until the pressure on the outside gets too much and then they succumb. So I would think that ultimately its stomach has the strength to withstand the pressure so that it doesn't act, it doesn't get crushed. That that would just be my thought. Because if, if its stomach gets crushed, if anything gets crushed, it's gone. Okay. 
So um, Daniel's text through to say it's not a whale. It's a fish. That's right. It's a fish. Mm. Uh, I will counter that by saying that whales in those times were called fish. Mm. So when the Bible was written, whales were called fish. Mm. Why do we claim that it's a whale? Well, the answer is that we don't know of a, of a fish that would be capable of doing this. Mm. Now, biologically, what we also don't know, and we, I think we need to be careful here and remember the things that we don't know, uh, because you know I think so often we to speak very confidently about things that we you know assume that we know. We don't know what kind of fish lived back then. Mm. Uh, we don't know about you know species of fish that have since gone extinct that would be capable of doing such a thing. Mm. Uh, certainly, the further you go back in history, the larger everything is. You know, we know that from the fossil record that there were you know very very large creatures that lived beforehand. So there's kind of a lot of things that we don't know here. Mm. We don't know, and, and the first one is we don't know it was a whale, mm. but we don't know that it wasn't a whale because it says fish. Yeah because whales were called fish until very recent times. Mm. Um, yeah, good good thought, though. Interesting stuff. <laughs> Just keeping right. us honest, keeping us accountable. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> because we're going on about whales here and, and theorising about sperm whales where it could have been something entirely different. That's right. It could have mm. been like a megadalon shark. Or... It could have been. Yeah. You would think that would have chewed him up. Yeah, that would have just eaten him. Bro. <laughs> like, but, mate, you, you're absolutely correct. Mm. That's the other reason why I would think it's a whale, right? Because it's just so passive and it would just, like, swallow him and move on compared and to... And because it's happened before. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That too. Whereas all shark victims have been chewed up and bitten in pieces before they that's... were... <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's not go there. We've got to remember it's breakfast time. Okay. <laughs> okay, uh, the final verse. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go on to the second half. Oh, you, you didn't read the last verse, did you? Okay. I, uh, yeah, I missed the last verse. It says, then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out on the beach. Yes. So I guess that's one of the other reasons why I kind of lean it towards whales because whales, we know, beach themselves. Mm. Don't know of any other fish that do that. Mm. But once again, we don't know. Mm-hmm. It's a great fish of some description. Yes. That includes... All kinds of marine swimming things. <laughs> yeah. yeah it was an octopus. <laughs> there are giant octopuses. There are. There are. Maybe there were big ones back then. <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm, my, my, my money is on a whale, but we don't know. We'll find out in heaven. We will ask Jonah one day in heaven. What I love about this poem, though, is that as he's writing this poem, you've got this, you know, this overwhelming sense of his thankfulness to God. Mm. So you imagine this guy when he gets vomited out on the beach, you know, imagine being, there's a lot of things that you can be in life. Mm. Imagine being vomit. (laughs) (laughs) Literally being vomit. Breakfast show. (laughs) (laughs) Breakfast show content right there, seal of approval. (laughs) But, you know, you can get called lots of bad names in life and he could, you know, he could have easily been called this is a bad name. He's like, well, actually, mm -hmm." Kind of reflects my situation. That's exactly what I am. Almost a compliment. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Like, I think this is the thing. You can see in Jonah's prayer that, like, his thankfulness comes from a place of he deeply understands the reality that he could just be dead. Yes, like, he could just be gone. Like, this is the thing is that... And he it, should have been gone. His chances of surviving this are, like, yeah, none. The miraculousness of the way that God has saved him here through 
the stomach of a massive fish slash whale is insane. It's just next level. Yeah. And so he's got a testimony to share. So when this guy is vomited up, he has the most ridiculously insane testimony. And there must have been something about that that gave tremendous credibility to what he had mm. to say when he turns up in Nineveh. Because I've got to be honest, if somebody turned up in Newcastle, just randomly turned up in Newcastle and said, hey, can I share a testimony in your church? Um, I was swallowed by a fish and I was inside the fish for three and a half days and this all happened because I was running away from God. I would be very unlikely to give that person the pulpit. Yeah, dude. Because I'd be like, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. This happens all the time. Of course you're swallowed by a fish. Let me get some mental health professionals who can uh, take you to a place where you'll be nice and happy and yep. well medicated. You just hit him with the classic youth phrase, Pixar didn't happen. And uh, <laughs> very quickly. Indeed. Indeed you would. Mm-hmm. And so the question that goes through my mind is this, and once again we don't know the answer, but what did Jonah look like? after he was vomited back up and did that did his appearance add credibility to his story was his appearance the equivalent of our picks of proof mm. secondarily it says he he's vomited up on the beach here. like Nineveh is a port city mm-hmm. on the Euphrates yes like how far is he from Nineveh like from the city like it, it maybe is he vomited up on a beach where they're fishing? Is he vom- like is he vom- So maybe he was seen. This is this is the other thing. If people see him, right? Yes. And this guy just starts walking to the middle of the capital city from out the front of the capital city, surrounded by people who saw him get vomited up by a fish, and you've got the testimony running throughout Nineveh. Wow. As to... Let's stop there and consider this thought for a moment. <laughs> Let's say that you were, you know, at the beach with a bunch of other fishermen at a port city mm. and you're cleaning boats, cleaning nets, doing all the usual things that fishermen do, and a whale beaches itself. That's something to catch your attention. Yeah, that's that's like, that's the nightly news right there. You go and have a look. Yeah. A whale beaches itself here in Newcastle. Everyone's going to go and have a look. That's right. Uh, they're going to throw water on it. They're going to put bags under it. They're going to send an excavator to dig a channel to get it back out to sea and to mm. save it and all that kind of stuff, which is fantastic. We love it when the community comes together. But you're going to go and have a look. Mm-hmm. And then you see it vomit up a human. You're going to be pretty freaked out. And then <laughs> yeah. if you notice that that human still has vital signs, you know, there's a whole there's a whole patch of this story that we just we just don't know. But what we do know is this. When... Jonah gets to Nineveh and starts to tell his story. His story has credibility. That's right. And so, what God has done here, in many ways, is okay. He sent He sent Jonah off to Jonah off to to uh, Kabul, mm-hmm. right? Um, and Jonah doesn't want to go there because he's afraid of what's going to happen. And so, God's like, okay, I'll solve the problem for you. There's a really easy solution to this. I will perform a miracle so that you will have all the credibility you need. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Jonah's got this incredible testimony to share. There is obviously, you know, visible evidence, I would Mm. say, uh, testimony, eyewitnesses' testimonies, etc. He's not just randomly turning up and saying, I was swallowed by a fish. 
he's probably been bleached white, his hair is probably white or fallen out. There's probably a whole bunch of stuff that is going on with this particular guy. He probably bears the marks of having been semi-digested. And in Jonah chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, what does God say once he is vomited back up on the beach? Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command um, and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. Okay, that's a big city in those days. Yeah. And Okay, so the second time, the Bible says the second time the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. And how does Jonah respond this time? He's like, he oh. got up. Okay, okay. And he goes, goes and does, does And it. he went. He obeyed. Yeah, I think if I was Jonah at this particular time, I would kind of be weighing up in my mind, okay, nearest port city to sail to a far country versus going to Nineveh, I think I'll choose Nineveh. Yeah. He's like, I don't know if how many more fish God have, has to pick me up here. And obviously he's gone through this experience of, of repentance. Yes. He, he says in his prayer, like, I will go and sacrifice at your temple. Like, sacrifice is only necessary for, for sin. Like, he's recognized his great falling short, and he is responding. He's like, okay, I'm going to obey the Lord. I'm going to follow what he says. Yep. Mm. Now, interesting stuff that we have uh, that we have right here. And how big is this city? It's massive for ancient times. Three days to see the whole thing. That's a huge city. That's huge. And when you you know you compare this with other great cities of the world at this particular time, it was one of the greatest cities mm-hmm. of the ancient world. Yeah, you know it's kind of up there with Babylon or Thebes in Egypt. Uh, it is the capital of the Ninevite Empire. Uh, it has you know stupendous ruins even to this day. Mm. You can see some of those in the British Museum. You can see some of them still there in Nineveh today. Uh, this this is a really impressive place, and particularly for Jonah, who has come from you know this little kind of micro nation mm. that is you know kind of tiny little backwards place, mm. and now he's entered entered this massive uh, metropolis. Verse four, what have you got for us there? Verse four. In verse four, it goes on and says, "On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed.'" Okay, so that's kind of a uh, bold thing to say. You know, how would you feel, Lawson, if you were, if God came to you and said, "I want you to go and start doing some street preaching in Newcastle." Okay, just start, just stop there. Street preaching is scary. <laughs> just like, yes, I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right. And if you were going to go and go street preaching, what kind of a subject would you choose? Would it be 40 days and Newcastle will be destroyed? What are the chances of Newcastle being destroyed in the next 40 days? Um, well, you know, there's a likelihood that the hurricane, you know, Ida 2.0 could show up and destroy Newcastle. But, you know, the likelihood, to, to, like, compared to what's if happened you, in if the you, past. Yeah, like, that's right. If you look at the past, the history of the past, we've had, what, one major earthquake? Yeah, a bunch of big storms. Yeah. Pretty unlikely. Like none of them. Have, you none know, of them. Even even the earthquake. We haven't destroyed the city. Nothing has destroyed yeah. the city. Mm. And we're talking about like an earthquake that happened in the eighties, right? Was the eighties? Yes. In the eighties, in a town that had never experienced an earthquake and had no infrastructure to support that, versus like a modern city that exists now. Yes. Yeah. So so for me to go around and preach that, obviously, there's this aspect of like. 
oh, God's telling me to do it. Like, if you heard the audible voice of God and he showed you a vision and the fleece and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And when you think about the Newcastle earthquake, of course, we're broadcasting the breakfast show out of Newcastle. Uh, when you think about the Newcastle earthquake, you know, how many buildings, was? did it destroy buildings or did it destroy Newcastle? It just destroyed, like, a couple of buildings. Yeah, like, it's pretty mild. Yeah. As far as earthquakes go, it was actually a very small earthquake. It's, yeah, tiny. It's just big for Australia. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so uh, let's 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 give this some context then. Uh, what happened to Nineveh when it was destroyed? If you go to Nineveh today, what will you find? Um, ruins. And dirt. Yeah. So if you were to say 40 days in Newcastle would be will be destroyed, you're not just talking about damage to buildings. Mm. You're talking about the city being wiped out to the point that it never recovers ever right. again. And you're talking about, you know, large if not most, if not all of the population being wiped out too, which as we've been talking about in our news sections is becoming more and more unlikely even in the most extreme weather events Um People, you know, loss of life is drastically decreasing uh, in the world that we live in today. So, yeah, it's like really, really big, big ask here. Like, hey, oh, no, it's not just like a bad thing's going to happen. Like, oh, everyone, the whole city's going to be wiped out and everyone's going to be going to be killed. It would be very confronting to go into Newcastle and start preaching that kind of a message. That's right. Okay, we've got some text messages coming through. Let me just have a see here. There's some interesting ones. Uh, let me see here. I have been reading The Irish Boy and God by Eric Hare, son of my third great-grand-uncle. There you go. And when Robert lost his mother and couldn't understand why she wasn't coming home, it was very upsetting for me, as God never intended for us to have to go through situations like that. But I was also inspired by what, what, by what Robert Hare did in turning to God and turning into an amazing evangelist for God's cause. It really inspired me and made me question why I haven't done more. Uh, continues on here, changes the subject, and says, uh, group of fish get to sizes that are big enough, but I also am more inclined to believe it was a whale. Uh, gropers. Um, then Kelvin texts in. That was from Braden, I think. Yep. And then you've got a text here from Kelvin who says, there have been three recorded cases of men being swallowed whole by water creatures and surviving in the last 200 years. One of them a 13, a 13-foot catfish. That is wild. <laughs> Two of them by whales. Uh, Jonah would have been middle brown. Stomach acid transforms you into an albino. But the elephant in the room is the predominant god at the time is Dagon the fish god. Mm. And then another text message, Jonah was already a prophet in their own eyes. Mm. Okay, so this is... This is a valid point right there that was was already recognised as a prophet, but in his area, not yeah. necessarily in Nineveh. I don't mm. know that there's any evidence that he was known as being a prophet in Nineveh. Mm. Prophet in Palestine, yes. Mm. Maybe somebody's got some more info on that mm. one they can help us out with. If if you could assume that, you could say they might have known him through the battles because because like Jonah's yeah. role as a prophet was to help the kings win back territory. Like he was helping the army. He was like, he was like a almost like you could call him like a yeah. He's in the army Maybe. as a prophet. Maybe you know he had Maybe. soldiers, generals, commanders, and he's a he's we a don't prophet. know. But we, that's the thing we don't know. We don't know. He might have just been a prophet, just preaching the word of God. Anyway, let's go to uh, Jonah chapter three. Where did we get up to here? 
Um, he goes into the city and he starts to preach this really confronting message that would have, mm. would have been incredibly confronting for him. But, you know, it's an interesting thing that when you've been through an extreme circumstance, you kind of lose all sense of being, you know, worried about small things like self-consciousness. Mm. I remember I was in a homiletics class one time. We were being taught how to preach and everyone had to preach a five-minute sermon and this guy got up to preach and he did terrible. Mm-hmm. And he was stuttering and he was all over the place and he was umming and ahhing and it was just awful. And so, and this is in front of the class, and you could see that he was just really suffering under a lot of pressure. And the teacher said, okay, stop right there. I want you to get down and give me 10 push-ups here in front of the class. <laughs> so the guy gets down, does 10 push-ups, and he says, now preach a sermon again. And suddenly it completely transformed the guy. He was eloquent. He was on point. He was speaking perfectly. And it was like, what made the difference? Well, when you've just made an idiot out of yourself and you can't make more of an idiot out of yourself, you stop thinking about yourself wow. and it just, you know, completely transformed the way the guy that was preaching. And I think that, you know, when Jonah has been through such an extreme human experience, mm. preaching that Nineveh is going to be destroyed in 40 days, that's pretty small. Mm. Okay, but no, no, Jonah, he obeys God. He has the courage to do so. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Well, it is time for... Question of the Day. Oh, the delay just makes it better. All right, Lyle, are you ready for the question? Yes. The question is... This one came to me indirectly from Coffs Harbour. That's right. So it was a question that was given to a friend who was given to me. That's right. All right. So go Coffs Harbour and all of our listeners up there. And the question is, did Jesus die on Wednesday or on Friday? Because there seems to be some contention over that fact. Okay, so nobody disputes the fact that Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. And so when you read this passage in, and it's directly connected to our Bible study, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 40, the Bible says, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. There are those who would say, okay, the word, the concept of three days and three nights, that requires a 72-hour period. And if you work backwards from Sunday, then that's going to land you on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And so you've got the Wednesday crucifixion theory that goes about as a result of that. Okay, so first of all, there are a couple of observations that we need to make. And the first one is that when you say a day and a night, for a Hebrew person, for a Jewish person, uh, for an Israelite, that is simply a way of saying a day. Mm-hmm. And so you'll find, uh, you know, the, the, the 2300 prophecy, 2300 day prophecy in Daniel is 2300 evenings and mornings. Mm. It's just another way of saying a day. You've got uh, Genesis chapter 1, the evening and the morning were the first day. So day and night is simply a way, one way that you say a day. So there's the first point. The second point is this Is Jesus speaking legally here or conversationally? So if Jesus is speaking legally, then you've got to have three days and three nights. You've got to have an exact 72-hour period. If you come back one second from that, it moves from being uh, legal conversation to conversational conversation. And in conversational conversation, we speak like this you know, all the time. If I was to say to you, you know, I'm going to be, what's today? Today is, uh, today is Wednesday, so Thursday, Friday, so Wednesday, Thursday. In, you know, in three days' time, I'm going to be 
uh, doing Zoom church at Raymond Terrace, mm. you would not assume that in 72 hours from now I'm going to be doing Zoom church with Raymond Terrace. It's going to be either more or less than that 72-hour period, but somewhere in about three days' time. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, is Jesus speaking uh, legally or conversationally here in this particular passage? And so what you're going to find is that the timing or the time period of Jesus' Uh, crucifixion to death is mentioned uh, 18 times in the Bible. And out of those 18 times, only one place does it say three days and three nights. Mm. Uh, there are 10 times it went on, in which the Bible says on the third day. Now, when you say on the third day, that's less than three days and three nights. Mm. There are five times where it says within three days. Once again, that is less than 72 hours. There are two times when it says after three days. Well, that's more than 72 hours. Mm. Okay? So what the Bible here is indicating is three days, but it is not being specific. And you can never take one verse out of context of the other. You take the 18th verse and take it out of context of the other 17 verses and make a doctrine out of that one while ignoring the other 17. So Jesus gives a very clear description of this in Luke when he speaks, uh, prophesies about his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, Luke chapter 13 and verse 12, he says, Go and tell that fox, that's Herod, Behold, I cast out devils and do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. And when he talks about being perfected, he's talking about his resurrection. Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. This is a prophecy that Jesus makes about his resurrection, and he says it will be today, tomorrow, and on the third day. So today being Friday, tomorrow being Saturday, and on the third day being Sunday, I will be resurrected. Mm. Okay, so there's a couple of other things that we uh, need to take into account here. Uh, of course, the Bible says that the preparation was the preparation for a high Sabbath. A high Sabbath was a Sabbath on which there was both a seventh-day Sabbath and a festival Sabbath that combined together. And the Bible says that it was the day before the high Sabbath that Jesus was crucified, that they prepared spice anointments and they rested. It was a high Sabbath that was coming up, and so that would put it on the Friday um, the Bible says in Mark chapter 16, verse 1 to 3, that the women arrived to embalm the body of Jesus at the rising of the sun. Now, if you go back 72 hours from there, then what you're going to have is Jesus is being born at dawn on Thursday. So because the sun hasn't still hasn't risen yet, Right, because you can still count it as Wednesday, because you know the day goes from you know sundown to sundown, but it's dawn on Thursday. That just doesn't fit in anywhere. That's not going to work at all. Um, then you've got the symbolism of the Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits in First Corinthians chapter five, verse seven and eight. The Bible says that the resurrection of Jesus was a fulfillment of the first fruits that Jesus rose on the day of first fruits on the festival of first fruits well the festival that came the day before first fruits was unleavened bread mm-hmm. and the festival the day before that was passover 
Mm-hmm. We know that Jesus died on Passover, and so if Jesus was resurrected on the first fruits, then we know he died on Friday, was resurrected on Sunday. Uh, and you find that very, very clearly outlined in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and verse 20. And so the Bible is abundantly clear that Jesus died on Friday, rested in the tomb on Saturday, and rose on Sunday morning. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.